You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What is up, Huda Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast presented by Boot Crew Media or Nito's Tequila, the official uh, tequila of Boot Crew Media and also DraftKings. You can see the promo code SUS for Straight Up Saints. Go to DraftKings, use that promo code, earn yourself some money there. Uh, again, guys, this is a really, really fascinating Saints season. I was on an emotional high on, on October 31st, now on an emotional low. Maybe we'll see if the Saints can bring it back up. As you can see by the title of this podcast, can they turn the season around with five weeks left? And we're going to talk about it. And to help me talk about this upcoming game against the Jets and also just the season, the way it's gone down so far is none other than my man, Darian Gray, the host of the Mouth of the South podcast, and also locked on HBCU podcast. Congratulations about that, my friend. Very busy. You guys can follow him on Twitter at South Exclusives. I'll leave a link to the description to all his work there so you can check it out. Darian, my man, thank you for coming on. What's going on, man? I'm, I'm happy you came on my podcast earlier and now returning the favor. I appreciate it greatly, man. Ready to talk about these states. I'm kind of excited. I ain't going to lie. I'm kind of excited. Uh, it's look, it's it's a weird season because I remember, I mean, for people who don't know, me and Darian literally just text during like every Saints game just about what's going on. And, you know, there's moments where we're like on cloud nine with the way that this team plays. And obviously lately it's just been us exchanging messages about, man, what the heck is wrong with this team? Uh, and it's been a lot. And I know for people who haven't checked it out yet, go check out Darian's podcast that we discussed What's going on with the Saints? We kind of covered the injury aspect. If it's a dark time without Drew Brees or if it's really related to the injuries and a bunch of other fun stuff there, I'll make sure uh, that I, I share that one on Twitter as well so you guys can check that out. It's almost like a two-parter uh, between the two of us. So, Darren, before we get into some news regarding Mark Ingram and Cam Jordan, some news about the injury report and all that, I want to talk about something that came up on Twitter, and it's probably the thing that Saints fans are talking about the most today. And Jordan Schultz comes out. And for people who don't know, Jordan Schultz, he's worked for ESPN. He's worked for Yahoo. He's got a lot of connects. Now, again, we have to see what happens, but he's reporting that Russell Wilson would waive his no-trade clause for the Broncos, the Giants, and the Saints. You hear that. Your thought, one, on that, and two, what would you be willing to give up for Russell Wilson? Well, my initial thought on that is we still command the respect that we commanded a year ago when he was naming the Saints as one of his potential suitors or one of the people he would waive this no clause or no trade clause for. So it does tell me that this is a bad season for the Saints. However, when you look around the league, the aspect, the view of the Saints in that aspect is it's not as cynical as I think a lot of Saints fans are feeling right now. So that's what it tells me. Number one, you still command that respect. But then it's kind of more delicate when you ask, what do I want to give up for? Because the amount that you're going to give up for Russell Wilson I really don't want to do. I would love to have Russ in, in hypothetical world. I would love it. However, the amount that I have to give up for Russell Wilson, I don't think the Saints are a Russell Wilson away. So what you give up for him, I don't know if in the long run it's going to really work out. You look at, I don't know, you look at the Broncos, right? You look at the Broncos. And people talk about Rodgers or, or Russ going to the Broncos, but they're going to have to trade some pieces. And now what if you trade all of these things for a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers and now you're not in the Super Bowl and you're looking like how the Rams are kind of looking right now where you're there you're amongst them but you're not the top of the top and I would hate for the Saints to be in that situation I think the trade haul you would have to do for Russell Wilson could leave you in that situation so it's it's really difficult for me to really give what I want to give up 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think for Russell Wilson, it's important when we talk about him to kind of say what you said in the sense that it's not just, hey, you're signing Russell Wilson. No, you're trading for Russell Wilson. You're giving up a lot of assets. I, I will say this, though, and this is why for me, I think I'm okay with the Saints going and making a run after Russell Wilson is I kind of actually do think this team is one important injury status and a Russell Wilson away from competing. But again, it's really important where I have to throw in. I think the Saints are a Russell Wilson away and a healthy Michael Thomas away. Now, that's the important thing. So, like, if I don't have a Michael Thomas, then, yeah, I agree with you because you know what? What are we doing? We have a great defense, and you're sticking in Russell Wilson there, but you're saying, all right, Russ, work with Trey Quan, who might not be back next year, work with Callaway, work with Deontay Harris. And, look, I'm sure Russ can get the best out of those guys. But, again, to your point, you need more weapons. However, if Michael Thomas is in the lineup, hypothetically speaking, I think that's where I would change my tune, and I would be like, hey, you know, you look around the NFL. Rodgers might not be in Green Bay next year. At some point, I know I sound like a broken record, Brady has to decline a little bit, just a little bit. So I actually do feel like a Russell Wilson would change things, but I do agree. Like there, there is a give and take, and this is where I will get scared. I don't think it's about what the Saints can offer and and whether or not it's worth it. Because I think if you can get Russell Wilson, you get him. And I think Russell Wilson going to the Saints, if you're a wide receiver, a vet who maybe isn't really all about the money at this stage in your career, you're looking to win. Maybe you're like, hey, I go to the Saints, I pay Russell Wilson, that might work. So he can attract free agents. The concern, though, I would say is Denver and New York, I think, have more assets they can give up. And if he's open to those, I mean, the Giants have two top seven picks. That alone is, is enticing for Seattle. Uh, I think that that would make it more difficult in my sense. Now, I want to go to the second part before we move on to Saints, because obviously we're going to talk about the Saints, not just Russell Wilson here. But would he be your ideal scenario quarterback next year? Like if the stars all lined and all worked out, who would be the quarterback you'd want for the Saints next season? Okay, let me say one thing to what you had what you had just said before yeah, I do answer that. Um, the only thing that scares me about saying he's where Russell Wilson away is because I think we're a Michael Thomas, another weapon, and possibly a left tackle. The Armstead departure does kind of worry me, even though I do like Hurst as a kind of a holdover. But that's what scares me. But I do I do think that Russell Wilson makes us a Super Bowl contender, and maybe some of those other assets make us a Super Bowl winner. But hypothetically, and everything all aligns. Yes, then I would take Russell Wilson because he's a little younger than, than Aaron Rodgers is. Um, I've seen him achieve the heights that I think a lot of Jameis supporters, because I am a Jameis supporter, I think a lot of Jameis supporters want Jameis to reach this. I've seen Russell reach it, so it's more right there in front of me. I don't have to try to make it into something it isn't or make it into something I want it to be. So I know what Russ is. So I would take Russ over everybody else uh, just because of those reasons. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm glad you mentioned Jameis Winston, by the way, because I, I tweet this all the time. I say it all the time on podcasts. If I bring up another quarterback, people are like, whoa, whoa, Chris, are you out on Jameis? No, I'm not out on Jameis. I just think the Saints are going to have to look at every option. And I honestly think, you know what? If Jameis didn't get hurt, it would be a lot easier for us to have a better answer about who could be the quarterback next year. But unfortunately, he did get hurt, and the Saints are going to have to look at options. But I, by no means uh, are we ruling out Jameis Winston. Now, let's get to the second thing I want to talk about, and and – Man, there hasn't been a day this week where we've gotten positive news about the Saints. And the only positive news, unfortunately, is a positive COVID-19 test, which is what happened for Cam Jordan and for Mark Ingram. And I know that sounds like a terrible zing, but unfortunately, that's just the way the season's gone for them. So most likely, unless by some magical force, you know, they both have two negative tests 24 hours apart, which is possible, but it's just unlikely, obviously. 
you could have no Mark Ingram and no Cam Jordan, which, by the way, Cam Jordan's Ironman streak for it to come to end to an end on that would be just terrible for him, obviously. Um, but what are your thoughts, one, on the news, and two, the potential absence? Because I think these are these would be two key losses for the Saints. Um, first off, I want to say bravo on that positive word flip. That was <laughs> that was, that was great. But um, when I look at Cam Jordan, obviously Marcus Davenport was did in practice, and if he can return, it's going to be a lot better. But if he's not there, you're looking at Carl Grandison and Jalen Holmes as your starting defensive end. And not only are they your starting defensive ends, I don't know who's behind them. There's there's no more rotation. It's no more oh this guy's gas. No, for however long long the defense is out there. Jalen Holmes and Carl Grandison will be the guys. And even with Davenport, you're still only having a three-man rotation. No Peyton Turner, no Passanio, no Cam Jordan. It's just a really rough thing. I think the outlook on that is a lot rougher than losing Mark Ingram because we did get some positive news that wasn't a positive COVID test, and that's that Alvin Kamara is expected to play. And with Kamara coming back, you have your best offensive player in, and that can offset, not even offset it, it upgrades because you're going from Mark Ingram who's out, and that's unfortunate, you will miss him. But now at least you get Alvin Kamara. And there's other problems that stem from not having Ingram still. But in a day where it's all bad, I would like to focus on the positive, and that's that Alvin Kamara will be back. So it won't hurt as much losing Mark Ingram and going to a Ty Montgomery or a Tony Jones Jr. You're upgrading and going to your best player, your best playmaker. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair point. I, I will throw this in there too. Mark Ingram, real quick, I, I think he's had – a pretty fine season since coming back to the Saints. And I, I think it's almost a relief that they got that little extension done for next year because he gives you that secondary option that they'll have and take some pressure off Kamara. So if he's not there, that definitely hurts. But again, like you said, if Kamara comes back, I don't think Saints fans are really going to miss Mark Ingram for this one week. They, they'll be excited to watch number 41 do his thing. And I think for the Saints, you know, we talk about not having positives, but you brought it up. This is the first time in a while the injury report for the most part was encouraging. Alvin Kamara, full participant. Taysom Hill, full, tar uh, full participant. You have Davenport coming back. And I think, you know, as funny as it is, we talk about Kamara and Taysom Hill, the Davenport one, and you alluded it to it, not just, you know, on this podcast, but on your podcast as well, how important it is for him to play because not having Cam Jordan, you mentioned having Holmes and Granderson, that would obviously be a struggle. But you look at this Saints team, if Hill, Kamara, and Davenport are full goes Sunday, where's your confidence level? And I know it's tough because they've lost five straight games. But what would be your confidence level heading into this Jets game? Can I get a in there? Can I get an Armstead yeah. healthy too? That that'll increase where I'm yeah, at. I'll, I'll give you one of the tackles. Okay, and it's probably gonna be Armstead because I think he was limited. I'll I'll say I'm at a seven, seven and a half because I I don't think this Jets team is good, and I think that the Saints are only struggling because they're hurt. Like I don't think this is a bad team. So if I can get Alvin Kamara there. I think this is the type of game you can win with Alvin Kamara being your only real weapon, you know? So I think, I think I'm going to go with a seven and a half if I have Armstead, because then I can at least ensure that screens might be better. Mobile protection might be a little bit better. Um, so I, I'm going to go with a seven and a half right now. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you, you know, we'll talk about it in a little bit about, you know, this matchup and, and bold predictions and whatnot. But I honestly think if the Saints play their cards, right. This isn't one of those games where all of a sudden everything's fixed and they go on this magical run, but I do think this could be a get-right game if they go into it serious, if they take care of business. And I, and I will throw this in there. I didn't have it on my rundown sheet, but I was going through it in the morning, um, and, and Catterell put up a, a thing from Sean Payton talking about how he spoke to the players about the tackling wasn't there, the effort wasn't there. And I really appreciate that because I think it's really easy when you get in a losing streak 
and it's easy to kind of give up on the season to let things fly by, but you know what? He didn't, and I do think that's good. A lot of players should be on notice. So before we get into matchups, I'm going to shuffle some things around. I love to, for every podcast, especially for big games, and although I know the Saints-Jets game shouldn't be considered a big game, but realistically, guys, if they lose this game, all the people like me who are telling you let's not tank, all of a sudden I have to change my tune because then you're five and eight and you're like, all right, you're not making the playoffs. So this is a must-win game. It is a big game as a result. So I always like to bring up a player who I think needs to step up. Some weeks it's Marshawn Lattimore. A couple of weeks ago, I would mention that Adam Troutman's on notice, but unfortunately he's hurt now. Who's that player for you? Even not, you know, just for this game or maybe even down the road, who's that guy for you you're putting on notice and you're saying that he needs to be great or needs to play much better than he's currently playing? Traquan Smith. Um, and that's because, not because I think he's bad. He's actually been average. He's been decent throughout the, the season, and he's made plays here and there. But I need a little bit more from him. And if if, if you don't mind, we'll combine two, something else you had on the on the rundown. But this is my bold prediction that Traquan Smith has 100 yards this week. And, and I don't know if I'm being realistic or if I'm being optimistic or hopeful, but um, I think that Traquan Smith needs to step up because this passing game needs to step up. This offense needs to step up. And I understand or I expect that, that they will run the ball more because AK will probably be back. Hopefully Armstead's back and you might have another lineman and a running back and you'll trust yourself to run more in this Jets run defense's future. But even with that being said, the offense still needs to be able to pass the ball. And I think that when you have games like this that are confidence builders, you need to build confidence everywhere. I don't need confidence that I can run the ball. I need confidence that I can run and pass and be able to score. Not threes. I need seven. This isn't a game where you sneak by with 15 points and you win because the Jets offense is bad and you feel good. I need everything to go right. I need this to be a fairly dominant performance as far as what we've been compared to for the last couple of weeks. I need four straight quarters of good offense. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And funny enough, my guy was Marquez Calloway. So I think we're kind of on the same idea that one of these receivers, and I think Traquan makes a lot more sense for two reasons. One, I think Traquan has a little bit more of a foundation with Taysom Hill. And then two, this is the contract year. Like Traquan Smith, you know, even if he struggled this year, if he can put together a five-game stretch where he looks really good, whether it's the Saints or someone else, he would actually get paid. Like it's an important stretch against a secondary that has struggled. And I agree, one of those two guys, has to step up. No Deontay Harris now. Deontay, I think, would say that I would say he's the guy that has taken that next step this year. Maybe it's not as well as people he's played as well as people thought he would, but that's because of Jameis Winston's injury, in my opinion, more than anything. But the other two, I really thought Callaway and Trey Quan would take that next step. I, I do think they would have if Michael Thomas was in the lineup because obviously they drop a pig on the depth chart. But one of those two players has to step up and we'll see what happens there. I'm not going to put him on notice anymore because I'm almost tired of it, but Cesar Ruiz is probably another guy too that the Saints need a little bit more out of him. And and look, I I loved the pick when it happened. I was probably one of the few that loved the pick and, you know, blame me for watching Michigan football, but I was like, man, Cesar Ruiz, like this is a good pick and it has been terrible. I hope he could turn it around. So that's another guy I'll throw in there, but Callaway and Traquan are definitely the ones I'm looking at. So let's get into this Jets, Saints, we are oddly confident going into it. I know they're 5-7. and seven. I know they're playing bad football right now, and they're hurt and whatever, but I think there were moments from the Saints-Cowboys game that they actually look like a competent team, and I think there's two moments that shook everything up. There is the the horrible blindside block call that I, that, you know, I still don't understand it. And then the third and two, we talked about it on your podcast where they don't block Micah Parsons on that rollout, 
obviously that play gets shut down. Instead of getting seven points or even a field goal, you get none, you punt. That kind of changes the game right there. So if they can have a similar effort, be a little bit more efficient, I, I think they can run away with this game potentially. But give me a matchup on defense, a matchup on offense. What, what are two things that you're looking forward to in this game? Ah, oh, man. Can I give a unit? Is that okay? Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no. Just give, just give okay. me what you're looking for in this game. Okay, great. Because I think I think one of the biggest turning points in the last game was the interception that was intended for steals and how just how everything happened after that. Take the ball out the air. And I'm looking at – I know I just said I want to pass, but for the most part, I understand you need to take the ball out of the air. I'm looking at the front line of the New Orleans Saints going against the defensive line of the New, of the New York Jets. And I feel like – that's where we're going to play a lot. Though I want to get the passing game going, I honestly feel like you'll see a lot of quarterback power, a lot of running, a lot of hopefully some sweeps, hopefully some misdirection, things of that nature. And I need the offensive line to really block for the first time. It, it feels like all year. It doesn't feel like the running game has really been effective as it could have been. AK is averaging his lowest yards per carry. And part of that has to do with everybody knows he's getting the ball, but then the other part of that has to do with the Saints offensive line used to be able to block that. It didn't matter if you knew he was getting the ball. I guarantee you Buffalo in 2017 knew we were running the ball every other snap, and it did not matter. This offensive line doesn't have that, whether that's because of injuries. The guy we all love to hate and Pete is gone. Uh, Ruiz is up. Um, and then the tackles are gone, and the only person that's really there is McCoy, and even he missed time. So if, as I'm saying it, I think Ruiz is the only offensive lineman who hasn't missed any time. So. On the offensive side of things, I'm, I'm going with that matchup. And then defensively, I'm going with Elijah Moore versus Marshawn Lattimore, which is something that we discussed on, on my podcast of just the back-and-forth discussion about Lattimore. They can go listen to that there. I'm not going to bring it here. But um, Elijah Moore has been really, really good over the last five weeks or so. I think since week nine, he's been really good at five touchdowns. Marshawn Lattimore had a really good day against Amari Cooper. I'm looking at these two guys. And I'm looking like who's going to win. Because if you can stop a lot, the Jets aren't going to have many more weapons to throw to. Corey Davis is injured. Uh, Michael Carter is injured. Tevin Coleman will be on the bench for my fantasy this week. But he was decent last week. But um, for the most part, they don't have many weapons. So if you can take away their guy and Elijah Moore, a guy that I really like coming out of Ole Miss, I think that they'll do wonders for your defensive performance. Yeah, no, you know, there's there's two things that, you know, you mentioned that stood out to me. Before I do that real quick, if anyone was listening, it was like, wait, you mentioned something about Marshawn Lattimore. What are you guys talking about there? Well, I'm glad you asked. You guys can go to the Mouth of the South podcast and you can check that out. We had a fun discussion about Lattimore and anything you guys have talked about, about the motivation thing, we, we discussed it there. But you mentioned two things. I thought the, the Pete thing was interesting because everyone loves to hate on Andrews Pete. Until all of a sudden you're like, oh, why aren't this? Why isn't the screen game working well? Or why aren't we pulling the guards well? And it's like, uh, you know, Andrews Pete's good for something. Look, Andrews Pete has his flaws. He does get beat. Well, the problem is with Andrews Pete when he gets beat, it's super noticeable and it 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 produces meme quality stuff, and it's very easy you to know, rip off. If, if I can interrupt you, that's the same thing with the guy on the other side of him, in Ruiz. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's something about those two guards that when they get beat. A lot of things like, man, where that pressure come from? You always know, whether that's Pete sitting on his butt, because that's his thing, or that's Ruiz turning around because he's blocking the air. Pete, I don't know what it is, but Ruiz struggles to catch stunts, and you see it. He's blocking a guy that doesn't need help, and then there's somebody coming right up his gap while McCoy's blocking the other guy, and it's like 
just look at the person in front of you. And for some reason, our guards, when they get beat, they get beat really bad. And you know who it is. You never have to question. Oh, Pete? Ruiz? Yep, it was them. It's never a question. So that's just one of the things about them that I just had to interrupt because there is that one thing that they have in, in common is you know it. So they have really bad moments. Just lose regular. Just lose regular. Like, why is that so hard to just lose like a normal guard? But it is for them. Yeah, you're right, though. And they have the signature moves, like you mentioned, Pete. You see, you know, he just gets bulldozed, and then you, you see Ruiz, and it's like, all right, he's just taking the play off. But it, to your point, though, they are missing Pete. That is important. I think the offensive line thing's a big thing. Like, everyone's wondering, you know, what's going on with this unit. This was supposed to be the strength of the Saints. And we always thought, you know what, we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. The receiving room is bad. But you know what? They have one of the best offensive lines in the league on paper. But all of a sudden, Ramchek, who's usually reliable, misses time. Armstead, we know Armstead's always going to miss time, unfortunately, and the dude battles through so much. But even this year, it feels like he's missing more time than usual. McCoy missed so many games early in the season. That never happens for him. And then Pete, even Pete, Pete gets banged up. But for him to miss the whole season, after, you know, in like, what is it, like week six or seven when he gets hurt, that that's brutal, you know? So that absolutely plays a factor. And you mentioned, you, you talk about the defense too. I, I think absolutely, this is one of those games, you play a Zach Wilson, you, you got to make him confused. Uh, and I know a lot of people were like, hey, you know, we struggle against rookie quarterbacks. The history tells us, you know what? I saw Mac Jones, who's having a really good season as a rookie. He didn't know what to do against the Saints for the majority of the Patriots Saints game. I need one of those type of performances where you can get multiple interceptions and you can build off confidence. And you know what? If people tell me, I don't know if that's going to happen. We talked about it on your podcast. The Saints did a good job against Dak and the Cowboys. I, I thought they really did. So if you can hold Dak to about 250 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick, I can see you having a similar, if not, or probably should have a better performance against Zach Wilson. So I need the secondary to step up. And you mentioned the run game. Yeah, it's time to start moving. It's time to start moving. 120 rushing yards for Miles Sanders, over 50 for, for Gainwell of the Eagles. A similar performance with Kamara and maybe Taysom Hill uh, would be fun to watch. So let's get into it. Not just a prediction prediction plus a bold one i know you mentioned trey Quan smith if that's going to be your bold prediction that's totally cool just tell people one more time uh, but what are you thinking going into this game going into this game i'm looking at i don't have an exact score but i'm looking at a two-score victory for the new Orleans saints a game that you look at confusing zach wilson you get a couple of turnovers and you better get a couple of turnovers because he has like 11 interceptions in eight games so he's averaging more than one interception or turnover a game and that's not even including his fumbles and offensively, I'm looking for you to get back on. Let's start moving. I'm not expecting it to be continuous. You're going against Tampa Bay next week, but let's not even look forward to that. Just here, I'm looking for you to convince me, give me some hope, and tell me that Taysom Hill can finish drives because he got drives going. So I need over 21 points and hold them to under 14. So somewhere in that in that range. Um, but that's my that's my prediction, and my bold prediction is that. For the first time, a wide receiver or a pass catcher that is not Alvin Kamara gets 100 yards for the New Orleans Saints. And that, that's my bold prediction. I'm hoping it comes true because if that happens, I'm going to be a happy man. I'm, I, I will give Traquan Smith the game ball in my podcast if he gets over 100 yards. And that would be great. I, I would totally be for that. It's been a long time coming for that unit. Uh, I, I agree with you. You mentioned something about the points and what you need. I I Look, I, I'm going to sound you know like I'm just repeating it here, but I agree. Like. This is a game where if you do not score 24, 27, I'm out on you for the rest of the year. Like, obviously, I want to be here recording podcasts left and right, but like, I'm out on you in terms of what you can do the last five weeks of the year or the last four weeks after this one. And, you know, the Jets, 
are still trying to find themselves. And there are games where they have just struggled completely defensively. And they've given up 40 plus. They've given up 54 this year. Give me 27. Give me 27 points. And I don't want to hear that, hey, it might rain and that could affect Taysom Hill throwing the football. Fine. Then run it down their throats. Like you need to give me something there. And speaking of that, I I do think the the Saints are going to win this game. I do think they snapped the streak. I I do think there's a a weird sense of urgency this week that I haven't seen in a while from them that I actually really do like. And I think just getting Alvin Kamara back is going to change a lot. I mean, he is one of the best players in the league, not just on the Saints. And and I think that's going to do, you know, great things for them. And Marcus Davenport, I could see Davenport, you know what, having a sack or two in this game because his whole issue has been health this year. When he's playing, he's getting to the quarterback. Since he's probably going to play, I'm going to say he gets a sack or two. But my real bold prediction and yeah, you guys are going to say this sounds like someone who's playing Taysom Hill in fantasy football. By the way, it is. I am like my season's on the line and I'm playing him. But I, I do think Taysom Hill is going to have three rushing touchdowns in this game. I, I can see him struggling at times throwing with the whole finger mallet, you know, finger injury. But there's no reason why he can't run all over the Jets. And I, I think what stood out to me in the Cowboys game was I didn't know how he was going to run. I was actually worried for him because you hear about the plantar fascia injury, and I'm like, all right, you know, this is going to be rough. I thought he looked fine. I mean, he was outrunning Micah Parsons at some point and and outrunning DBs, and I was like, all right, I I think he's good to go. And the fact that, you know, the whole week in practice, they're talking about the the finger injury, not the foot injury. I think we'll see Taysom have another good game. I'm going to go three rushing touchdowns from Taysom. I believe he had two against the Giants earlier this year, so I think he can get one more. Uh, and we'll see what happens there. But that would probably be my bold prediction. I'm going to have the Saints winning. I'll go 27-17, to 17, although I think the defense, if they're on one, I think they can give up less points than that. Uh, and I'll have Taysom Hill having three rushing touchdowns. But anyway, man, before we wrap everything up, not just going to do Saints here. And you know what? That's what happens. When the Saints start struggling, you got to mix some stuff up. But I know you love Marvel, as do I. I love the shirt you're rocking today. So I'm going to do two Marvel questions before we wrap things up. And anyone listening to this, if you end up liking this, let me know. I'll incorporate more pop culture stuff like this. I know you love to do it. You've had great stuff with Dylan yeah, Sanders. It. And it, it is so fun, man. Um, so let's get into it. No Way Home next week. Everyone knows that any Marvel fan is super pumped for that movie. I, I told you beforehand. Thank God I sent it to you because I, I would have felt really bad putting you on the spot here. You get to keep three Spider-Man movies, not including No Way Home because it didn't come out yet. And the rest of them are gone forever. Which three are you keeping? I am because I told you, like, if you would have put me on the spot, I would have forgot this. So let's start off with number one, Into the Spider-Verse. I love that movie. I can watch this movie every single day. And I'm so excited that Miles got a a feature film. I'm glad they have the second one coming up. Unfortunately, I think that means we're not going to see a live action Miles. But somebody pointed out that Miles is way younger than Peter. So actually seeing Miles in No Way probably wouldn't really make sense as far as timelines go. But you also have alternate universes and all these kind of things and things that we'll probably discuss when we get off of the mic. But um, and then I'm gonna go with Spider-Man one from the uh, Rainy film. So Toby's first one because I love Green Goblin. I thought Green Goblin was just amazing. And then even with the the way that it's set up two and three and Harry's development as a character between him hating Spider-Man and then finding out that his best friend is Spider-Man. And I'm not spoiling anything because come on, like years ago but um and then ultimately like taking over the mantle of the goblin and everything and i just felt like that film as good as it was and two is good too but one put everything into motion in a different kind of way so um i'm gonna go with that and then i'm gonna go with 
far from home. Yes, far from home because Mysterio and everything. As you can tell, I'm a villain guy. I have Thanos on my shirt for those who can't see. I have Thanos on my shirt. I'm a big villain guy. So um, I love watching good villains, but I just thought the whole storyline of even even uh, Zendaya finding out who he is. I want to call him Mary, Mary Jane so bad, but I know that's not who it is. I just can't remember what MJ. I think they just call her MJ. Um, but I love the thought of her finding out who he is and then them being everywhere and her saying, like, basically, I'm not an idiot. I found it already. And just the storyline of opening up, oh, this is Mysterio and he's a trickster and everything about it. I just thought they, they, they executed that very well to have a guy like Mysterio come on. And it's a guy that a lot of people might not have thought of. And I thought they handled it really well. So I'm going with Spider-Man 1 from the Rainies, um, Spider-Man Far From Home. And then I have to go with my guy Miles into the Spider-Verse. And maybe next year into the Spider-Verse 2 might be in my top three as well. But that's how much I love this movie. I love it. I, look, I, I think, you know, anytime I say something's objective, it has to be definitively objective. And and obviously this is still technically subjective. But I'm almost at the point where I feel like Into the Spider-Verse is objectively the best Spider-Man movie. Like, I, I, I don't it's care. It, and funny enough, you talk about watching. I watched it on Monday again because after the, the first look came out on Saturday, I was like, you know what? Let me just watch it one more time because I love this movie so much. And it really is so great. And you mentioned Miles live action. I think at some point it'll happen. I don't know when, but it's got to. He's too good of a character. Funny you know enough, they have like, a second trilogy for Holland. Like Holland just got on for a yeah, second so trilogy. You, so you can do something at that point. I, look, my, yeah. my whole thing is at some point, if you're going to move on from the Tom Holland Spider-Man, I would love to see him mentor Miles. And if you have to go the kill him off route or something, I don't care, whatever, that's fine. Just give me live action Miles at some point. It, it, it's going to happen. There's too much money that can be made there for them not to do it. But you mentioned the other two. Funny enough... For people who don't know, Darian's so polite that he felt bad about spoiling the Raimi movies. And I'm like, if you haven't seen those at that point, like that's on you. Like that's that's not Darian's fault. But I, I do love Green Goblin. I think he's great. The, the tweaks I would make, and I have the weirdest Spider-Man list, and I, I get shit for it every single time. But I would put Spider-Man 2 just because I love that movie. I just think it holds up so damn well. I think Green Goblin's the best villain we've gotten in a Spider-Man movie to date. But I, I would take the second one just because there were so many great Peter Parker moments that I love. And then weirdly enough, this is the one that gets me every single time. But you know what? I don't care. People know at this point, I love The Amazing Spider-Man. And I know everyone everyone's you know on the fence about them. Some people like it. Some people hate it. I love it. Do I care for Lizard's storyline in that movie? Maybe not. I think the CGI could have been better. I think the scenes could have been a little bit better. But I'm a huge Andrew Garfield fan, and more importantly, I just really like that movie. I, I think it's actually a good origin story. You know the only problem? He came a couple of years too soon after a great trilogy, and that's why people got all yeah. mad. But, you know, there's so many good movies there, but I think we could both agree. Into the Spider-Verse, best one. Can't wait for the sequel. So my last one before we wrap everything up, you're in charge of picking a live-action movie for Marvel. Who's a character who you think deserves a live-action movie? Can I, can I leave the screen for a second? Yes, sir. I'm I'm excited here to see what he's going to say. Uh, you know, there, there's so many options, by the way, and for okay. people listening and waiting for for Darian to get up, I mean, there there are a lot of options here for Darian to choose it was, from. It wasn't. It was not a lot of options. It was a very easy number one option. Um, and this is. I'm sorry if this goes on for another thirty minutes, but this is my guy. Okay, so y'all will see it. Gambit. Okay, let me let me tell you the story behind this. I'm at Dave and Buster's um, celebrating my sister's birthday. Yeah, my sister's birthday. And we're celebrating that. And, you know, you swipe the card and you have all these games, right? 
and I'm swiping all these cards and I'm trying to get points so they can get stuff and whatnot. I see Marvel Contest of Champions. It's, I have played on my phone. Yeah, I'm a nerd. I don't care. So I see it in the corner and my brother tells me he saw it already and he didn't tell me. So I'm offended. So I go over there. I, I, I steal his card because I already used all my coins trying to get them stuff. I steal his card. I swipe it. He has just enough for me to play the game. I play the game and this is what pops out. Okay, this is what pops out. And this is my favorite superhero. I was going to go grab my shirt because I have a shirt that I love that I got for Christmas um, a long time ago. And if you can tell, I'm way more passionate about this than anything because I love Gambit. I think that he is criminally underutilized. Um, seeing Mina Khan say what she said, that was blasphemy. He's not a glorified poker dealer. Um, people don't know that when you, he actually was so powerful that he had to take out part of his brain to be able to control it because he would be an omega level uh, mutant called New Sun who can literally like move particles or whatnot or something like that within the earth with his mind. He is, he is a fantastic guy. He uses cards. He's charming. He's from Louisiana. And his charm is actually a power. He can actually charm you to do stuff. He's not just a cool guy. That's not what it is. Um, you can miss him with Alvin Kamara. Give me Remy LeBeau. It's, it's so much that I jokingly act like I'm part of the LeBeau family. And um, I've tried to learn how to throw cards on multiple times in my lifestyle, in my life, just so I could be like Gambit, but I just don't have the discipline for it. And I see that I'm probably bumping up against a lot of times, but just know that I could continue telling you why Gambit deserve. Oh, wait, no. And let's not, let's not act like people don't love the Louisiana coach, right? Let's not act like people don't really enjoy that type of culture, the accent, just everything around it. So I do think that it could gain a lot of traction. And with him being a charming person, a char that's like part of his character, I just think that that would be somebody that fans would really gravitate towards. And he would be an interesting part of the X-Men that people have not really focused on, or even seen in a live action, except for the Prince of Persia, who was in, in uh, X-Men um, Wolverine Origins. So other than that, we really haven't seen Gambit. And I think that if you really look at it, you look at him, I'm going to put this away so I'm not looking at the card. But um, I think that he is the guy who, if you need any character in the in, in the Marvel universe who has not had a had had a, a live action film, it's Gambit, Remy LeBeau. It's the guy, and he's a great fighter, and he actually beat Wolverine in a fight, and that's it. I'm done. I'm not gonna fanboy hey. out anymore. But he did beat Wolverine in a fight before. I love that answer because you know there's so many choices you can go with, and I'm so glad you mentioned it for, oh, for reasons. You got the midnight. You got the freaking Marauders. Where you, Slaughtered all the people. Like, there's so many good storylines. Like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. In the well, you, you, I, I'll give you. Two, I want. I actually have two quick follow-ups for that, real quick. One, okay. because you love Gambit as much, do you actually like X-Men Origins? Because you get a very, very, very quick look at Gambit, although it's not very long. But although, trust me, enough people hate that movie to begin with. That would be my first question. Then, two, do you have an actor in mind who you want to play Gambit? Um, no, I don't care for the movie i've never watched it i don't even think i've even really watched it yet um because i was it's not like i took pride in how Gambit. oh no it's a bad movie it's know? a bad movie yeah <laughs> so i was like no not really and then do i have a, 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 a actor i mean i guess channing tatum because channing tatum has one to do it forever but i don't know if it's not channing tatum mm, i don't really have a specific person in mind but it had i'll tell you this if they cast somebody and i feel like it's the wrong person then I will feel a certain kind of way because I, I think that he's a really good character who has really good storylines. And and I, I just feel like if it's a guy, if, if for example, if Gambit comes out and he's not charming, 
Like, you know how much that's going to hurt my rep? Like, like I'm a big game to support it. And people are going to look at me and be like, this guy, he has to at least be a charming person. You know what I mean? And he has to be a guy that, that the ladies like. He's also part of him, and he's a ladies' man. So, like, it, it, it part of that has to go together. So, it, I don't know who it's going to be, but I do know that if they decide to do a gambit, preferably probably a series, just because he has so much, and you don't have to wait multiple years, like, I would go with that. Just give me a Gambit series. A live action I'll settle for as well, but give me a series where you can tell his whole storyline throughout 12 episodes. You know, so give me give me that. I'm talking about Daredevil hallway fights. Give me Gambit, and I'll, I'll shut up. I'll, I'll watch every single uh, Ben Affleck movie ever made if you give me a Gambit movie. I don't, I really do not care. Um, yeah, so give me that. That's my, that's my answer, man. It's still, look, it's still a great choice. Like for me, you know, I mean, there's guys, I, I, I like Spider-Man 2099, but we've got enough Spider-Man. So, you know, although I think that would be a great animated series if they ever want to make one, I'd be down. I know he's going to be in the Spider-Verse sequel. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for that one. Uh, I love Black Knight. I, I, that's someone who I would love to see a little bit more. I know they teased him in Eternals. So maybe, maybe we get something there, but to your point, you know, as good as Marvel's been and Marvel's been great. And I praise them all the time. There's two things I need Marvel to figure out fast. We need the X-Men and we need the X-Men done properly. And can we get Fantastic Four right? Like, you know, funny enough, everyone talks about the X-Men and how it hasn't been done right. And and some of it's bad. But there are a couple of X-Men movies that I adore. Like, I do like the first two. I absolutely love X-Men First Class and I love Days of Future Past. Fantastic Four, all the movies are bad. Now, I've convinced myself that I can rewatch the first two out of nostalgia for Jessica Alba and Chris Evans and whatnot, but they're not good. So I would love to get, at some point, something Fantastic Four related. I'm a big Human Torch guy. I would love to see what they could do there, which is funny enough because they picked two actors who I love, and Chris Evans the first time, and then Michael B. Jordan the second time. And both times, I was like, I don't really care for the Fantastic Four movies. So we'll see what happens there. But, man, I, I loved your answer. I absolutely loved it. Thank you. I appreciate you asking me that. Now you made me have to step it up. I'm going to step it up so that I can get a, an answer that makes somebody get out of their chair and, and go find something. I absolutely love it because, you know, so many people and, – and granted, guys, we absolutely love the Saints, love talking about the Saints. If we didn't love it, we wouldn't be doing it. But it's always fun to have other passion projects too and other things that you love to talk about because it's, football's not around every month of the year. I mean, look, by January, mid-January, with the way this Saints season's going, it's over, and you can have a dry period. So uh, definitely love talking about it. Definitely love chatting up with you, man. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. For people who don't follow him yet, go to South Exclusives on Twitter. Check him out. Check out the Mouth of the South podcast. Check out the Locked On HBCU podcast, which, by the way, my man Deion Sanders needs a shout-out. I can't tell you something. like, And this is work-related with, with the stuff I do at the Spun. There is probably no one I get more joy writing college football stuff about than Deion Sanders. Freaking love that, man. Like, he really – I know people right. were going nuts over uh, – I forgot who he had talking to his team last week, but people were talking about oh, it. Oh, Brittany Rennie. Yeah, that's who it was. Look, that, and that, was that, that's not one for the pie, Chris. That's not it one is, for the pie. It is a one for the pie, but you know what? I, I, everyone's like, what's he doing? I'm like, there's a method to his madness. Like, I get what he was doing. So, now I really – salute to that. Salute to what you're doing there, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I know it's been a tough season. But trust me, trust Darian. I think this could be a get-right game for the Saints. But we'll see what happens when the Saints play the Jets this Sunday. Hope everyone who's tuning in enjoys the rest of your week. I hope you guys enjoy this weekend. And hopefully, next time you hear me on the Straight Up Saints podcast, it's going to be a victory recap because we haven't had one of those in a long time. So I appreciate you guys. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your weekend. And let's hope the Saints can get this win against the Jets.
You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.